You're listening to the expository preaching ministry of Kootenai Community Church, located in Kootenai, Idaho. We pray that Christ is exalted and your spirit is blessed by the teaching of God's Word. For more information about Kootenai Church, please visit us online at kootenaichurch.org. We will be back in the book of Philippians this morning once again, and we're in chapter 4, beginning with verse 14. But I will read the context from 13 through 18, which we will be covering this morning. So let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer, and then I'll read his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the privilege of our collective gathering as your people. And Lord, we ask this morning that you would guide us into your truth as we examine your word in this book of Philippians. We pray, Father, for the illumination of your given by your Holy Spirit that we would have understanding not only to illuminate your word, but also that we may have the grace to apply these truths to our lives. We thank you, Lord, for your love, your faithfulness, and your goodness, and may you be glorified through the proclamation of your word today and the preaching of your word, as well as the song and praise and hymns which we lift up to you. We ask these things in the precious name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Beginning with verse 13, which we covered last time, Paul gives this great uh, exhortation to the Philippians. He said, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, the context there, of course, is from the previous verse, so I will back up. Paul said this in verse 12, I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, You have done well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once to my needs." Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Well, Paul, in this final statement, uh, he wants to make regarding the gift 
that he received from Epaphroditus on behalf of the Philippian saints. He wanted to express his thanks, but he also wanted to make sure that he conveyed this in a way that he was giving glory to God. He wanted them to understand that his dependence was upon the Lord. At the same time, he didn't want them to take that as a slight, somehow thinking that, well, if your dependence is upon God, then perhaps this gift is meaningless to you. No, he wanted them to know that he loved them, he cared for them, and he was filled with great joy when he received this gift. It was abundant for him, and he was not wanting to think that he was dependent upon that, but he was blessed by it, and they provided for his basic needs. So as we look at this text this morning, I have uh, three points. The first point would be the blessing of sharing affliction. That would be from verse 14. And then the blessing of giving and receiving. That is from verse 15. And then finally, the blessing... of our acceptable sacrifice. So Paul begins in verse 14, and he says this, Nevertheless, which introduces a bit of a transition in his thought, he wanted to clarify what he had said in verses 10 through 13, which could have been misunderstood by these Philippian saints. If the apostle had left with, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering needs. And I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He's now expressing his appreciation of the gift that was sent to him from these believers. The gift showed that the Philippians had true care and concern for Paul. As Paul had not heard from them, and they had not heard from Paul for quite some time, been 10 years now, but as soon as they were made aware that he was incarcerated in Rome, they then wanted to offer whatever assistance they could. So they sent an envoy uh, to Rome, which Epaphroditus would bring this gift, which was a sacrificial gift. This was not a wealthy church, although uh, we know that Lydia was part of that local fellowship and she was well off. So we understand that this gift had to be substantial because it included money, it included clothing, and included food. So all those things were imparted to Paul. We get that from the historians uh, as we look at this text. In his time of need, these believers cared enough to provide for him. And so Paul wanted them to understand that their gift to him was also going to be a blessing to them. And he wanted to explain that so that they would be encouraged knowing that his appreciation and love for them was still vibrant and that this gift 
would bless them as well as he was blessed. Paul ministered to them 10 years ago and brought the gospel to them. And these that were saved also, when he departed, gave him a gift of finances so that he could minister the gospel uh, when he left from there and went to Thessalonica. Philippi expressed their gratitude for Paul's spiritual work in their lives, but now this 10 years had lapsed. They sent Epaphroditus, and they also wanted him to know that how much they loved him and missed him and wanted his needs to be met. This is an example of how the body of Christ functions. The Lord's equips pastors and teachers in order that they may equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That has been God's design, and when it is followed biblically, it provides teaching of God's words and also gives us the equipping that we need for the work of the ministry. The apostle expressed his desire within this fellowship, and he is, in this present text, wanted to express his concern for others. He was a living example of thinking of others as more important than himself. He didn't want to misunderstand somehow that he didn't appreciate this gift because he had just told them, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He knew how to be content in all circumstances. Even though he did that, he wanted them to understand his great appreciation for this love offering that they sent. Now, the second point here is the blessing of giving and receiving. In verse 15, he says, You yourselves know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. No other church was supporting Paul. He would work as a tent maker when necessary. He did so when he went to Corinth so that he wouldn't be a burden to them. And his letter concluded... uh, I mean, his last verse concluded that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So the Philippians may have concluded that Paul neither needed this money or food, or perhaps he didn't appreciate it. And he wanted to clarify that and make sure that they understood. He was very careful steward. So he goes on to say his first at his first preaching of the gospel in Philippi. After he left Macedonia, he continued to minister in Athens and Corinth. No other church shared with him in the matter of giving and receiving. Now the word matter could be translated accounts or accounting. And the terms giving and receiving can also mean credit and debit. So Paul apparently was a very careful steward of his resources and kept an account of his receipts and expenditures. Even before he left Macedonia, the Philippians supported him during his ministry in Thessalonica. They sent a gift more than once 
for his needs. Their generosity was expressing their love for Paul and for his hard work of ministering the gospel throughout Asia. He goes on, For you recall, brethren, when in 1 Thessalonians he says this to them in chapter 2, verse 9. For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day, so not as to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. And also to the saints in Corinth, he said this. This was from Acts 18. But when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the word, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. So Paul continued to minister as the saints from Philippi continued to supply for his basic needs. When Paul states in verse 15 that the Philippian church in the early days of preaching the gospel or this was in the infancy, and that they alone had partnered with him. The Philippians were the givers, and Paul was the receiver. So credit, debit. This generosity was shown after his departure from Macedonia, where Philippi and Thessalonica were located. When Philippi heard about Paul's troubles, in Thessalonica, they gave him aid and gifts so he could continue his work elsewhere, in Achaia, Athens, and Corinth. The generosity of these Philippians went back a long ways. In Acts 16 and 17, we read how he preached the gospel in Philippi and then moved on to Thessalonica, then Berea, as far back as that. The Philippian church, even though they were new believers, continued to supply Paul's needs. Paul had practical proof of their love for him. He accepted no other help or any other gift except from them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, which I'll just read a couple of verses there. Paul said this to the Corinthians in verse 7 through 11. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you without charge? I robbed other other churches by taking wages from them to serve you. And when I was present with you and was in need, I was not a burden to anyone. For when the brethren came from Macedonia, they fully supplied my need. And in everything, I kept myself from being a burden to you and will continue to do so. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be stopped in the regions of Achaia. Why? Because I do Why? Because I do not love you. God knows that I do. So Paul wanted to assure some of these Corinthians were attacking him. They were saying, well, you're just doing this for greed, out of greed. 
And yet, he didn't take anything from any of the Corinthians. Rather, he was being helped by the church at Philippi as well as others. And he also worked with his hands in his tent making. So Paul didn't want to be a burden to these Corinthians who, as Cornell goes through those books, we recognize how much sin was in that church, and yet God worked through Paul to minister to them, to bring them to repentance and honoring God. In verse 16, Paul says, For even in Thessalonica you sent a gift more than once for my need. After a short time, uh, a riot drove Paul out of Thessalonica, and he went south to Berea and then moved on to Athens. While he was in Athens, he, <clears throat> some of his companions went back to Macedonia, and he continued to move on to minister the gospel in Corinth. The help that Paul was given during this work in Thessalonica was before he departed for Macedonia. The Philippian church was a very young church, and yet they were very generous with their gifts to Paul. He goes on in verse 17, and he says, Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. So Paul understood the principles that were laid out not only in the Old Testament, but also by the Lord himself in the Gospels. Paul's fear of them misunderstanding when he speaks about receiving gifts appears again and again. No doubt there was some enemies of his in Corinth that were misconstruing his motives, like we just read in 2 Corinthians 11. But also, it's again, he defends himself in verse 14 of chapter 12 in 2 Corinthians. He says this. <clears throat> well, this is in Thessalonians, I'm sorry. Here for this third time, I am ready to come to you, and I will not be a burden to you, for I do not seek what is yours, but you. For children are not responsible to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. That's from 1 Thessalonians 2.5. For we never... Oh, that was... Sorry, that was Corinthians. For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with pretext for greed. God is our witness. Paul said that in Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. If Paul accepted a gift, or if his enemies suspected that he did, they were ready to charge him with selfish motives and greed. If he did not accept the gift, they accused him of making a show of false humility. But it was not the gift, but the giver, which was Paul's concern. He said, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit which increases to your account. Note, once again, the accounting term, account. The gift was an investment entered as a credit to the Philippians. These dividends or fruits or the lives of his friends were the object of his concern. It was spiritual fruit 
was the derivative. When Paul preached the gospel, the Lord brought forth spiritual fruit. They were saved, they were growing, and they were honoring God in their lives. Paul was able to rejoice over that. And he goes on and he referred back to Solomon. He was thinking what Solomon said in Proverbs 11. There is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results in only want. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. That's from Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. Again, Solomon writes, One who is gracious to the poor man lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deed. Proverbs 19, 17. He goes on, He who is generous will be blessed. Proverbs 22, 9. And he who gives to the poor will never want. Proverbs 28, 27. In the New Testament, in the Gospel of Luke, Luke says this, speaking as what the Lord had spoken. Give, and it will be given unto you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and run over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured unto you in return. That was Luke 6, 38. So here's a question. What rewards does a giver get? And what should be the motive of giving? Anyone? What was that? It's somebody? Oh, someone back Okay. The motive, uh, Nathel said that the motive should be to the continuation of the spread of the gospel. That's one reason for supplying needs to a pastor or one who is teaching God's word and teaching and preaching the gospel message. But what about wrong motives? Is there a way that somebody could give and not have the right motive? What might that be? Okay. Steve? Okay. Uh, verse one response was some may want to get credit for what they're doing or be looked at in a way that, well, this person is really done a lot of good. Look at all that they are doing financially. The other one might be for, what was it, Nathal? To, to influence a decision. To influence a decision. Perhaps try to influence the overseers at a church. Well, we'd like to help out with this. So we're giving you this money so that you can do this. In some cases, that's appropriate. Like in the situation... No, what Nathel was referring to, <clears throat> excuse me, was that of a person trying to influence the overseers to do something that they want for their own personal gain. And that's giving with wrong motives. So our giving should be unto the Lord for his work, 
and for his purposes with the heart of love towards God. So it's a spiritual sacrifice. It is that of giving what God has provided you with to further God's work. Paul knew, as we should know, that the gift benefits the giver more than it benefits the one who receives it. This church, and here at Kootenai Community Church, I've seen this and we've all seen it, where people uh, have physical maladies or some kind of financial need and there's an outreach without trying to be known People just do that out of love. And that's what Paul is speaking of here. That is exactly what he is trying to teach. So he knew that their benefits would give more to them than it would be from him giving them that or receiving that. Paul writes that in God's sight, the gift would appear as a fruit or credit to their account. We often think of the fruit of the Christian in terms of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruit of the Spirit. But Paul here was talking about the spiritual fruits. There can be spiritual fruits evidenced as we serve God, sacrificial giving, sacrificial action, acts that one might do with their giftedness in order to serve God and to serve the flock. <clears throat> Converts are the fruit of the labors as we preach the gospel. <clears throat> we give fruits of our labors, helping others or doing something unto the Lord. This gift was out of love for Paul by the Philippians. And it was this love that made it dear to God. Their sacrificial gift was to supply this man who they loved, who proclaimed the gospel, who did so in much suffering and pain at times. And yet he did so unto the Lord. They gave this gift sacrificially to him because they knew that God was working through this man. And they were blessed by receiving the gospel and transforming them into God's people. Verse 18, the third point, the blessing of our acceptable sacrifice. Verse 18 says this, But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied having received from Epaphroditus that which you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Paul here is saying, I have received full payment. We're not told what all was completely given in this gift, but it is assumed by several of the scholars that it was money, clothing, and perhaps food and reading materials. Remember when Paul wrote Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, he wrote to Timothy and asked this, When you come, bring the cloak that I left in Troas and Carpus, 
and the books, especially the parchments. So Paul was in need of the warmth of the coat. He also wanted uh, the parchments so that he could study further. He goes on, to have abundance. This translates the Greek verb, which means to overflow, to have excess, to have more than enough. He goes on to say, I'm amply supplied, which speaks of being filled up completely. He had all of his needs, and they filled him up with their gift. Combining these three phrases together shows that Paul's gift was received and shows how overwhelmed Paul was with the gift given by Epaphroditus. The best thing that can be said about these gifts is that they were described as a fragrant odor, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. Now, Paul here was using the sacrificial language of the Old Testament under the Old Covenant. And a fragrant aroma is used in Genesis 8, verses 20 and 21. says this, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. The Lord smelled the soothing aroma, and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man. For man's intent of man's heart is evil from his youth, and I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. So the Lord himself uh, at that point made a covenant. That's the Noahic covenant that he would never destroy the earth by flood again. But in saying so, this offering was given by Noah, which this is what Paul's referring to, this Old Testament sacrificial process by which they would offer animals and offer up sacrifices on behalf of the people. A peace offering was that considered a, f- a free will offering that symbolized the redemption and reconciliation between the sinners and God. That was the Old Testament uh, covenant that they were under. The second phrase taken from the Old Testament, an acceptable sacrifice. This was used in Leviticus 19.5. Now, when you offer a sacrifice of peace offerings to the Lord, you shall offer it so that you may be accepted. Once again, under that Old Testament covenant, it was a sacrificial system. It was always required blood offering to for the forgiveness of their sins. Of course, as we move into the New Testament, as Jim is in Hebrews, we'll see that there is one sacrifice offered. We have seen that. One sacrifice, and there will be no other sacrifices needed for our redemption, for all those who place their faith and trust in Christ. So Paul looked at the gift from these Philippians as a sacrificial act of worship. Spiritual sacrifices are required in the New Testament. Have you ever thought of that? In the New Testament, believers, instead of animal sacrifices, offer sacrifices to God, 
Romans 12, 1. Paul commands this. Present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So we are to exercise the giftedness that God has granted each believer as he deems, and we are to exercise that gift to God's glory. We are to be used for his service and for his glory. Everything that we do, we should do to God's glory. The writer of Hebrews exhorts us in this way, through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of the lips that give praise to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. That's in Hebrews 13, verses 15 and 16. Peter reminds us that we are a holy priesthood. He says this, You also, as a living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's in 1 Peter 2.5. So Paul's joy for these Philippians would be a gift, an acceptable sacrifice to God, for it surpassed his joy in receiving the gift. The givers were going to be blessed in that way. They gave sacrificially, Unto the Lord. The gift was to Paul, but it was the Lord that they wanted to honor with this gift. Of course, there's no greater sacrifice than our Lord Himself laid down His life for sinners to reconcile us to the Father. That is the ultimate sacrifice that is well pleasing to God. And because of that, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. This is the next statement of Paul in the following verse. So we're going to look at that next time as we continue this book. Now, Paul is summarizing this book in a way that exalts the Lord. From beginning to end, he was so joyful over the Philippian saints, how they lived, how they loved, how they handled their problems, and how they responded to his correction and reproof when there was a conflict, and how they loved Paul, who was their minister, who was their discipler, and one whom they could follow his example. So Paul loved them. They loved Paul. They glorified God with their sacrificial gift. As we continue on, we'll be working towards the end of this small epistle, and yet it's rich with that which Paul has taught. Many just think of this as the book of joy, but it is filled with doctrinal truths, some of the greatest doctrinal truths that we have in all of Scripture in this one epistle, beginning from the first chapter till the end. So as we think of this text here, we can think of how God wants to work through us in a sacrificial way at times. And we can do so with confidence that we want to do so 
to the glory of God. So let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that it's not us that are able to do anything outside of your Holy Spirit working in and through us. I thank you, Lord, that you are our righteousness. And I thank you that you loved us enough to give us your word. I pray, Father, that we will all respond to the truths that you reveal to us and that we will honor you with our lives. We just ask that you would be glorified as we continue in our service of worship and that you would bless your people as we glorify you with the preaching and teaching and praise that we offer up to you. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the latest podcast from Kootenai Church. If you'd like to learn more about Kootenai Church or to donate to our church ministry, you can do so online by visiting KootenyChurch.org. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and pray you'll join us again next time. Once again, thank you for listening.